Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm so glad that you've joined me here today. I have a fun new guest. Her name is Sarah De Orlando. I hope I said that correct, correctly. Yeah. And um, the Lord just worked out a great meetup. You've heard of a meet cute. Well, she is adorable. Um, and I've been cute in my time, but it was a great mute, meet cute. I uh, had heard her on another woman's podcast from Michigan. So I just assumed she was in the Midwest. I don't know why I would assume that. I've interviewed people from all over the world, but I did. And um, that was like the week before. On, on a Saturday, I looked at my calendar and there was an, an event at my favorite local coffee shop, Sally Lou's, that I had said I was maybe interested in going to. And there was Sarah's name. She was doing a book signing. And I go, oh, I have... 30 minutes to get there. And then I went outside and Mark was, you know, the man plaid. He was washing my car and I really did not want to interrupt that. And so I waited 15 minutes. I said, I got to go. And so I got to meet this uh, dear young woman and get her book. And I asked her right then if she would be, or maybe I asked you later, but to be on my podcast so she can bless you with her story, how God uh, worked in her life. She's an author and she's a biblical life coach and she's about ready to move to Texas, is that correct, Sarah? Yes. Okay. So by the time this is aired, you'll be in Texas and maybe you, you will sound different, but I doubt it. So You're Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, if you could, I'll stop talking. If you could tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and your ministry, and then we're going to get into the legacy questions. Mm. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sue. It's a delight. Um, who am I? I'm a daughter of the King. And that is an identity that I'm really um, settling into in the last five or so years. I grew up in the Northeast. You couldn't really tell by my accent, but I did, New Hampshire. And I am one of five. So I grew up with a big family, mm-hmm. tons of action and excitement. I loved math. I loved school. I was a really good student and kind of a brown noser. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really out of a, a place of brokenness. And had suffered um, several different occasions of sexual abuse in my childhood and just was looking for affirmation and love um, where I couldn't find it. And school happened to be a place where I felt safe and I could thrive. Mm. Mm. Sarah, I think that's true with a lot of children. Mm -hmm. They find a place, whether it's music or social media or art or something where they have to where they have to try to prove themselves. Don't you agree? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And so I just, that happened to work and clicked for me and brought me in this imperfectly perfect path to engineering. Oh, um, wow. By the time I um, graduated high school, I had my dream set on becoming an engineer and making myself known, you know, making a name for myself. Um designing beautiful bridges or buildings or something where I could um, continue to find that worth from what I did. And I grew up, go ahead. I like to ask questions, sorry. Uh, Was that a conscious knowing where you go, I am going to build the most beautiful 
building in the world so that my name is known? Or did you just have a desire for beauty? Oh, that's a good question. I'm good at questions. That's good. That's good. Um, I think because I've reflected on it a lot, now I realize that there was a connection there. Mm. But I was drawn to the beauty. I was drawn to cities with mm. these you know, skyscrapers and just wonder at these amazements and wanting to be part of something bigger. Maybe that was that longing. Oh, I like that. I like that, to be part of something bigger. And I think that's God-given. Yeah. I think that's God-given. We, we met, I mess it up by going the wrong place. It's like um, looking for love in all the wrong places. We look for worth. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I uh, compare myself with others and come up short. And, um, and I think that's a malady that human nature, a default for human nature. So you went on, became an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's fast forward to right now. You, I want to ask you a quick question before we go back. Yes. You have uh, recently written a memoir and you are all of 32. I think I have permission to say that, right? That's okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I always say, well, I'm 69 and I'm fine. So don't worry about being 32, but you're 32. And for a 32 year old to write a memoir is a little unusual mm-hmm. because you haven't lived a very long life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was, I think it takes a lot of, I don't know what that word is, spa or whatever, not mm-hmm. got courage. It takes a lot of, I don't know, pizzazz to be able to think my story is so worthwhile, not for me, but for the sake of to be part of something bigger, which we just mentioned, right? That yeah. I'm going to take the time because it's a lot of work. I've written books mm-hmm. and it's a lot of work to tell your story in a modest way that would glorify God, but in a vulnerable way that would bless others. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Well, this is what I want to say about that. Those of you who are listening, I don't care how old you are. If God is telling you to write your story and tell your story, I know Sarah is going to encourage you today. And I just wanted to bring up that point because I think it's kind of cool that you wrote a (laughs) memoir. I'm so old now. I wouldn't write one. It would take me too long. So, um, but I just think it's terrific that you did that. And uh, because it's a, a way to say, Hey, this is my story. This is who mm. God did for me. And even if we don't have the same story, there'll be parts that perhaps that you can identify with. So going back, you got mm. uh, educated, you got married to a wonderful guy. Um, go from there a little bit yeah. on your story and then we'll talk about legacy. Yes. I met my husband in college and I thought he was just this friendly guy that wanted me to join his martial art club, but that wasn't the case. (laughs) I eventually caught on (laughs) and we went out for Morocco and the rest is history. And we've been married for over 10 years now. And we have one daughter that is three and she's just a, a delight full of joy. And we have lived in San Luis Obispo, um, since 2017. Okay. That's so, just over and, four years. And isn't your husband from Ecuador, Colombia? Yeah, Ecuador, correct. Ecuador. Okay, great. All yeah. right. And so he was just studying in the States or he's an American citizen? He was studying in the States and that was just a very um, God way of bringing us together because the school I went to was my safety's safety school. Like it was at the bottom of the list. I didn't want to go there. I went kicking and screaming because I got denied all the other places I wanted. And my husband um, 
was kind of tricked by his mom to stay in the States for school because she had a friend that needed to know like all the steps to enroll in a state, uh, a school in the States and convinced him to stay once he had done the legwork. Wow. That's a strong mother though, to have her son be so far away. Yes. Yeah. That's difficult. Yes. Um, so married engineer, and then mm-hmm. the title of your book is love letters from Poland. What took you to Poland? What I, well, that's just your job. That's not quite as important to me right now. What mm-hmm. is, why did you call it Love Letters from Poland? Let's just get right into it. Mm, love Letters from Poland. The, the biggest theme God gave me over that really brief time of my life while living in Poland, eight months, um, was how much he loved me. Like, mm-hmm. Not just, you know, loved everybody. Oh, God loves you. You know, he does this, he does that. But personally, intimately, you know, there were so many gifts that he showed up and only he would know that it would delight me. And in some beautiful way that he orchestrated, I went ready to receive that love. And I was looking for that healing, looking for growth, looking for a next step in my life and not sure what it was. And he knew that I was ready to finally receive his love. When you were a child, uh, you heard that God loved you. So what was the difference between hearing it as a child? And Mm -hmm. I I should say that you were in Poland for eight months for work and your husband stayed in the States. So that, that would be difficult, terribly difficult. But what was the difference, just besides maturity, what was Mm -hmm. the difference between hearing God's love or seeing it or experiencing it uh, in Poland versus growing up? I mean, how come you didn't receive it then? The fact fact was still true then. Why Mm -hmm. did, why, why is it? Because I am ignorant Mm -hmm. to what God is trying to tell me every day. So Mm -hmm. what do you think is the difference? Mm. I think I had so many lies Mm. clogging my heart, even at a young age, because the abuse started young. It was maybe six or seven years old. And at that point, I already had so much shame that I couldn't even believe, like, you know, my parents only love me because they don't know all the details or they love me out of obligation when they would really know, um, then, you know, it would be superficial. So the steps that God took for me to start to prepare to receive his love was building trust, you know, trust in a marriage. My husband, when I told him my story, he didn't turn away. And so that was a little bit easier to accept, like, okay, another person that's flawed could love me, but how could this perfect God, like, really love me, want to know me, like, enjoy me? You know, I didn't even enjoy myself. So it was different when I got to Poland because I had this breakthrough from my depression. I was, I was ready to receive in a way that I never had been able to before. So yes, maturity is part of it, but leaning in to saying, I know there has to be something more. God has something more for me and I don't know what it is. Well, it sounds like when you went, you had a lot of your... Uh, supports removed, which happens yes. when we go 
uh, into, especially when we have, go into a different culture and we don't know the language. I've lived abroad a couple of times and your supports are immediately, you get off that plane, your support is, you know, you don't even know how the bathroom works, you know, <laughs> or where it is and how to ask for it. And, um, and your supports are gone. And whenever I go into a new situation, even like getting married, that was so mm-hmm. new to me or having children, supports are, are pulled out. And I feel like God does that on purpose for me to remind me who I really need to be, uh, who I need to be relying on. Do you, did you mm-hmm. feel that way? Is that part of what happened? In yes, yes, for sure. And that first six weeks was a real battle of insecurities and, and focusing on that. Like my husband is gone. I don't know anybody, the language. Um, am I cut out for this job? All of those things and leading me to this place of, okay, what, what do you have for me, God? Because I, I only have you. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's go forward and spend some time together. How did you know that? How did you start feeling that or sensing that God loved you? Or believing, mm, believing, believing it. Between knowing and believing. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest breakthrough was when I found my local church in Poland. Mm-hmm. And I received this email from a friend. She had just gotten back from her honeymoon. And I thought I had searched the local area for churches and, and it came up empty. And I was just mm-hmm. so discouraged. Um, but my aunt, before we had left, had planted the seed in me oh, you could find a Christian community. Like I hadn't even thought about that while I was traveling to Poland, but that was, um, it became a desire as soon as she planted that seed, but it didn't seem like it was taking root. And I was just really discouraged by that. When I found the the website and everything just aligned up perfectly. And I looked out my window at work and I was on this military base for a little bit of context, um, owned by the Poles and had been, you know, invaded by the Germans and used for Nazi um, airplanes in World War II and just had a really heavy past. I just felt very um, dark, heavy, and yet this email broke through. And since that, that day, uh, God gave me the most magnificent rainbow, and I knew it was for me. Oh, so it was literally a rainbow. Literally a rainbow, double rainbow outside my window after I got this email. Um, Paired with Isaiah 41.10 that says, do not fear for I will be with you. I will strengthen you and uphold you. Am I quoting the right verse? I think it is. Um, And I said, okay, good things are coming. Good things are Mm -hmm. coming. So when you think about legacy, what do you think your mm. legacy is? And, oh, this kind of relates to writing a memoir at 32. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, my mission is to encourage people to live their legacy today, not after they're dead and someone's reading your will. But everything we do does leave a legacy, which reminds me, my daughter works at Trader Joe's. And she said, one of her friends said, is your mother an influencer? And I go, I started laughing. I said, <laughs> honey, we're all influencers. We're either influenced for the bad or for the good. And it's the same with leaving a legacy. You are leaving a legacy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So what legacy are you leaving? 
Mm. Where to start? My, my hope is that I show the people around me what it looks like to run after God, really, to find the freedom that he offers. And that looks like um, growing, leaning into the hard places, finding healing, or forgiving, um, spending time with him to just be in his love, to be in God's love. And my, my why or my mission is to um, let God's love pour out on me so I can lavish it on others so we can impact nations and, and generations there we for go. Jesus. Yeah. I had someone say in a meeting years ago, uh, ministry is spillage. <laughs> so we really can only authentically give out the love of God once we've been so filled up ourselves. And that's exactly what you just said. Mm. So uh, has there been... Um, have you had to experience obstacles to carrying out that legacy or challenges that you had to overcome? Mm, yes. Yes. Since I have written my book um, or even leading up to it, I had this high in Poland full of God's love and feeling like it was the summer season. Everything was in bloom. And when I came back to the States, depression came back really hard. Really? And I was mm. just stuck. And, and feeling like I couldn't feel God's presence anymore after having it so palpable in Poland, he just went silent. And I kept doing the, the things and reading my Bible and, and implementing the, the habits that God had taught me in Poland. Mm -hmm. But it still just, it, it fell flat. Like I was in this waiting season where I didn't know at the time, but he was solidifying what he had taught in my heart. And so I was just focusing on the next step and the next step. And in those six months or so, the Lord brought us to San Luis Obispo. And I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to come to slow because I thought I was getting further away from my Poland, like my community, you know, who I was there, my job there. Um, and so that was an obstacle, even coming here, coming to San Luis Obispo and trusting that God would give me a new community and have more for me, have hope for me. I I'd thought for a while that my best life was at 28 when I was in Poland, that it, God could never do anything better. Mm. And so that was an obstacle that I had to overcome as I wrote and realized that that memoir was just a beginning of his story for me, yeah. first laying the foundation of love. And now it's like, okay, what next Lord? And having that hope for my future and sure, other obstacles, you know, becoming a mom was a, a hard season with postpartum depression and, and fighting that and wanting the best for my daughter and learning to communicate with my husband and just growing deeper together, but with a lot of hard work, um, a lot of hard work. I think this part of your story might be the most encouraging part because... I don't think there's just one platform or we reach a summit of victory in Christ where mm. we never fall again. I mean, I could be wrong, mm. but uh, some of the biggest names in the Bible, you know, fell into depression 
or discouragement because life is hard. Mm. Uh, and so, um, you know, I get on high spiritual peaks at times, not for very long, but if I felt that that's the way I was supposed to be all the time, that would be depressing in itself because a lot of life, Charles Swindoll said, the trouble with life is that it's so daily, <laughs> especially as a mom <laughs> of a toddler. Oh my gosh, it can be very daily. daily. But yeah. that's where you really learn the love of God and your purpose in the trenches of life, don't you think? Yes. So what has helped you um, overcome those challenges? Mm. Did you have to go into therapy because of your childhood trauma and ongoing? Uh, did you find a good therapist when you came to San Luis Obispo? Or mm. tell us a little bit more about that. If yes, you want to. yes, of course, I would love to talk about that. I did have a therapist in college, mm. and that helped some. But right before I graduated, we were really getting to the root of the self hatred for the abuse that I had initiated and had a lot and lot of shame. And I still struggle with that today. Um, and my midwives, as I was pregnant with my daughter, were wise enough to bring up, you know, have you sought out therapy? I see in your, your history, you have this trauma and it usually brings up a lot of pain when you are having a child. So true. And so I started to build that support network even before depression came back or any, you know, flashbacks or PTSD came. I located a therapist and it started meeting with her within like six weeks, I think, of my daughter being born. Hmm. I was seeing her and working through these lies that I had believed for so long hmm. um, about, you know, my worth, my value the fear of my daughter's past uh, or my, my past becoming my daughter's future. Mm -hmm. um, and so unpacking that, and that was, you know, every week or every other week for a long time, because there was a lot of things that were stopped up in my heart. Um, God had given me a lot of healing in Poland, but I was then getting more insight and understanding of what it looked like practically each day to, um, you know, giving myself grace or to stop myself from ruminating and just like focusing on some things around me. Um, Can you give um, my listeners perhaps a couple truths that God sure. countered uh, a couple of the lies that you lived in? Because we all have the bad girlfriend in our head, mm -hmm. um, whether it's uh, something as serious as what you went, to, uh, went through, but also... Satan is the great accuser. So what mm. lie, what truths uh, um, are continuing to bless you and strengthen you right now? Mm. Lately, and yes, in the last few years, I've been focusing, can, um, I've been focusing on the love of God. Like I am in Ephesians 2.10, you know, God's handiwork, his poem, his creation, like something intentional you know, he made with care and that he knew my story. He knows my story and it's part of, of his plan for my life. Um, did you mm. ever say, question him and say, well, if you knew me and crafted me, why did you allow these things to happen to me? There definitely were some seasons where I wrestled with that. Yeah. Yeah. And what helped you? 
and what helped me. Um, as I was writing my book, and maybe you're not ready to write a book, but writing helped me realize where he was even in those hard seasons. Oh. How come? Um, for example, I love being outside as a little girl and I would, that was my happy place. And God would just draw me to the forest, although I wouldn't have been able to say, oh, God is telling me I need to go explore the woods. Um, and in the time I, I just delighted in that space, although I did feel very lonely, um, as I was reflecting back, though, I can see that he was there with me in that, in that beautiful sanctuary of the woods um, and, and protecting me, you know, and giving me encouragement or strength for the seasons that I was going through. Um, and so I can look back and say he was there or he didn't let things escalate. You know, I don't want to go down the what ifs, but I am grateful that my, my story wasn't um, anything harder or different. Like things didn't, you know, um, with depression, honestly, um, suicide was on my mind off and on for several years. But God never allowed me to create a plan. Hmm. So you see that as the staying hand of God's love. Yes. Like I could, yeah, I could feel those, those pits, Mm -hmm. but for some reason I never, um, never went further than, you know, where that hand was, right? There's a quote by Corey Ten Boom that says something like that. There's no pit that God's love is. Not deeper still, not deeper deeper still. still. Exactly. That's uh, beautiful. Well, um, Someone listening today might be feeling that they've already made the plan. What would you tell her or him? Mm. I get it. I get it, friend. Um, I want you to hang on to one good thing. Um, You might not feel like anybody understands you right now that the pain is too deep. Um, the shame that there, there's really no hope. It's, it's never going to get better, but I promise you that it is. And I want to just take my hands and put them on either side of your face and say, um, I see you. And, and God has good, good plans for your future. And it's not without pain or trouble, um, but, but he's a God that restores and heals wounds that, that seem impossible. He changes memories. He fixes all broken things, including me, including you. Hmm. Well, I see that as your legacy. And as much as we all wish we didn't have to, well, even hear about your pain or us go through our own pain, uh, God is so expedient. It's one of, one of the things I love about him. He doesn't waste a trick. As long as we continue to come to him. And uh, when, he, when Jesus said, come to me, all you who 
uh, labor and are heavy laden, he wasn't asking the perfect person to come to him. He was asking the broken person. Mm. And it's almost like our brokenness attracts him. And, um, and that's not the way of the world. You know, the way of the world is attracted to the beautiful and the strong, and um, especially the woman who can handle her emotions and uh, not go overboard on any one thing, but be perfectly balanced. And that's just, God doesn't care about that because he's the only one who can, who can heal our wounds and, um, and draw us forward to help somebody else. That's one of my favorite scriptures too. And I never remember if it's first or second Corinthians where it says, we go to God when we're in pain and he comforts us so that there's always that so lot that I was an English teacher. So you have to figure out where, where are you going with that? So that well, you so that you can share with another God's love. And that's exactly what you're doing. Um, do you have any action points that you can leave with my listeners to help them leave a legacy of God's love for others? Mm, mm. So many options. Um, Give me two. Okay. Well, one is a download and it's a life balance assessment and not like the perfectly balanced life, but just saying, hey, God, this is where I am right now and get get a visual of where you are in your mental life, your spiritual life, physical, you know, because we don't know um, where to grow if we don't know where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So getting a gauge. Um, and that, I think, is going to give you some hope and know where you can work. Where is God showing you that you need to lean in and strengthen, whether building that community of friends or slowing down and taking more time to rest when the world says rush, rush, push. Okay. Um, and will you um, be able to give me the link to the download? Yes. I okay. Will I'll, that put, to I'll put you. that in show notes. Okay. Action step yes. number two. Can you think of an action one? step number two? <laughs> is simply to sit with the Lord for five minutes each day and just say, What do you think of me? And he might not reveal to you in that moment, but I would I would encourage you to to listen as the day goes on of what like little signs he gives you. Hmm. Signs of his presence and signs of his love. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like we're so oblivious. You know, I've known him all these years, and it's like I'm just so pleasantly surprised when I see him answer a prayer. That is ridiculous. It's insulting to him. And yet I do um, don't want to berate myself overly long, but I do want to repent and ask God to give us, for all of us, that we can uh, have new eyes to mm. see how much he loves us. In fact, I, I've actually never done this on the podcast, but I'd like to pray right now for anyone who's listening And um, thank you for your sharing, Sarah. Father God, we love you. And um, you love us more than we can comprehend. And yet, uh, you know, I'm blind to that. And Sarah was blind for so many years. And we continue to need to grow in awareness of your presence, that you are right here ready to help, that you are helping us. And even when we forget to ask you that you have helped Mm -hmm. us, you help us to be uh, good wives and friends and daughters and mothers and um, really uh, 
a gift to others of your love. Show us, just fill us up completely. Uh, fill us up with all the goodness of God and the fullness of God as, it's, as you <clears throat> shared with us in Ephesians 3. Mm. Father, that we'll be so filled up that your love can't help but be poured out to others. <laughs> so thank you for Sarah and her upcoming move and just bless her and her little family mightily and uh, bring uh, people her way who have also struggled so that she can share your love with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. And we'll put your information in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. She is a biblical coach, <clears throat> which I like, <clears throat> aren't we all? But she's trained. And so uh, thank you so much. And we're going to be giving away uh, her book, Love Letters from Poland. So we will, if you could just leave a comment in in the show notes or on Instagram, and um, that will make you entered into the contest. And then we'll have a, a drawing in about a week, and we'll let you know if you want her book. And if you don't win, just go get it anyway. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. You can. Okay. Thanks so much, Sarah. I appreciate you. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.